Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, where we get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, the small business loan pool gets refilled and Facebook buys big into India. But first, tech tracks the coronavirus. So late last Friday night, two of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, Instagram co-founders Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger, launched their first new project since leaving Facebook in 2018. It's called RT Live and is designed to help fight the coronavirus pandemic by tracking the rate of viral spread state by state. In short, it basically gives each state a score updated regularly based on information coming from local health officials. And when you look at this thing, the score to keep in mind is the number one. If you're below one, that basically means the curve has flattened and the rate of spread is decelerating. If you're above one, it's the opposite. It's bad. The spread is accelerating. Now, for context, on Wednesday afternoon when we taped this, the state with the highest score, and that is not a good thing, is Nebraska at 2.0, while the lowest was Idaho at 0.19. Overall, 30 states are currently below one. Now, why it matters is that state and local governments are currently trying to figure out when, where, and how to reopen parts of society. And Instagram's co-founders believe this project could become an important tool to help them. And overall, this reflects how lots of technologists are working on new data projects that not only could be used in this pandemic, but whatever might befall us in the future. We'll go deeper with Instagram co-founder Kevin Systrom. So Kevin, let's kind of go to the genesis of RT Live. What was it that you thought was lacking that you want and Mike want to kind of try to help rectify? Well, I think there are two things. The first is that I didn't feel like there was any good sense of how things were going. Everyone spent all of their time forecasting the future. And you would look at these models and you'd say, okay, this model says we're going to be at this many million cases. And this one says, you know, this many thousand cases. And you start to say, okay, like, I don't care about two weeks from now as much as I care about right now and how things are going. So I turned to basically the science of now casting, the idea that you could take a look at the data and infer how things are going right now. That felt to me, I think, more stable than trying to predict like a month from now. So the second part was looking around for, you know, some kind of metric to encapsulate the idea of how things are going. And I came across a paper, you know, in the scientific literature that basically says, hey, here's how you calculate a single metric that explains how quickly the virus is growing. And to me, that felt like the right combination of a metric that described how things are going now scientifically and also in a very simple way that described like how we should feel about how things are going. So all of those things together led me to looking at this metric called RT. And then, of course, the most important point is that I don't want to keep that information to myself. I want to share it with others. So we put it up as a site. When you talk about the kind of now and trying to understand where we are at now, how do you deal with kind of just the lag that there seems to be on some of this data, not on the mortality side, because obviously there's a lag on that vis-a-vis infections, but even on the infection side, even if you assume that once somebody gets the virus, they get tested, different states seem to be reporting in different ways. Totally. So one disclaimer, and it's listed on the bottom of RT Live site, is that we're not accounting for delays in the data currently. However, a new model that should go up either today or tomorrow, depending on how quickly I move on it, effectively takes into account the delay between when you have an onset of symptoms and you get a positive test. So it effectively moves this metric back in time a little bit. Here's the truth of metrics in general. One is that all the data is noisy. That doesn't mean that it's useless. It just means that it's noisy. And two, most of these metrics are delayed by four or five days at the minimum, but up to 10 or 15 days at the maximum. So everything we're looking at, it's as if you're driving a car, but what you're seeing 
was 15 seconds ago. Imagine how hard it would be to drive. That's why we need self-driving cars, so I don't need to worry about that, because that's terrifying. Uh, so, Kevin, you guys launched this thing several days ago, and, and some of the coverage of it uh, has highlighted, for example, this discrepancy in transmission rates between New York and Georgia at one point. When you look at that, is your takeaway from that, that New York's kind of aggressive stay-at-home policies had a positive impact in slowing the spread and that Georgia's rush to reopen could put more people's health at risk? Or should we not extrapolate from those sorts of things from the data? So I think it's tough to know exactly what we can take from this because we don't have the benefit of many months of analysis after the fact. So we're looking at everything in the moment, the fog of war, right? I think the one conclusion that you listed that these lockdowns have helped is absolutely true, regardless of where you look. And there's some evidence that if you haven't locked down, there are a handful of states that haven't locked down, you end up with the highest version of this metric, which means the virus is spreading the most quickly. Now, you know, is that a conclusive conclusion? (laughs) Is is that a, a hard and fast conclusion? Not necessarily. At the same time, you know, if I were running one of these states and I saw these metrics and the clear discrepancy between those who have locked down and those who haven't, I would take that as a strong message that it's likely best to lock down if human health and well-being is the priority. Because of course, we have competing goals. There's economic prosperity and there's health and human safety. And, and it's the balance of those two that I think you're finding these governors dealing with policies are often at the state level. They're sometimes at the local level, depending on what we're talking about. You guys have done RT Live at the state level. So, you know, California, you know, your numbers are based on the boundaries that were drawn hundreds of years ago and true for New York and Rhode Island and everywhere else. Why the decision to do it at the state level instead of more localized, maybe a county level or even a metropolitan area level? Well, I'm going to answer this in a roundabout way by saying that you can do it at any hierarchical level you want. So you could do it at the global level. You could then do it at the continental level, then the country level, right? And you can keep going down until you recurse into these smaller, you're right, arbitrary boundaries. The point that I've made from the beginning is that it's relatively useless to look at the infection at a global or national level if the country is big enough. Because what you have are these hyper-localized infections that are on very, very different S-curves, meaning they started at a different time, they have different infection rates. So, you know, you can't manage the country, you have to manage localities. What we decided was a balance of getting to that granularity, but also having enough data. If you go down to, say, the town level, and you're looking at a rural town in Indiana, you just don't have enough data to infer what the R actually is in that town. And that's at an extreme. But the honest answer is that it's the right balance between granularity and data quality. But the plan is absolutely to get to a place where not only do we cover other countries, but we break those countries down into smaller pieces, whether it's regions or municipalities. And in the United States, I think we're starting to have enough data that at least at the metro level, we can start to look as well. So you could see the difference between, say, like, you know, Los Angeles and San Francisco. I think that's around the corner. We just want to make sure that in the first week of having this model live, it's it's solid. There's other, you know, individuals like yourselves, there's some other tech companies which are doing not the exact same thing, but are playing around with the same sorts of data in terms of transmission spread uh, from a geographic perspective, including your former, you know, Facebook where you used to work. Have you guys talked with other companies or other technologists about possibly, and I don't even know how this would work, maybe it's not a backend, thing, but kind of merging some of what you guys are all doing to create really more of a dashboard, arguably? Well, I'll say uh, there's one thing to combine knowledge and know-how, and I think there's another to combine process, and there's another to combine consumption. No, I think actually having some independence 
makes a lot of sense here because one knowledge source, whether it's RT Live or the Johns Hopkins website, doesn't have a conclusive answer for you. You as an individual have to take all of these data points in and kind of triangulate. And we try to, at least on RT Live, show what we know, what we don't know, and the caveats around it. So if your goal is to understand how things are going, you need to take you know, RT Live's data point in. You have to take another data point in from you know, your favorite website right? that, that uh, maybe did some analysis. The goal here is to allow you to have an, an additional data point. But I think what I'll say in closing on this thought is that the diversity in approaches actually helps. I've been... I think like the number one value of doing RT Live was not actually any of the graphs or the algorithms, but rather to push forward the narrative that we should be looking for a metric with which we can manage this virus. And if you you know watch Cuomo's press interviews or you know Angela Merkel or or even the president talking about you know infection rates and the types of metrics we're going to use to either decide to open up the states or not, we've at least started a narrative around trying to find a metric. So the real value here might be rhetorical more than actually the data itself. Kevin, final question for you, and just broadening things out a bit. As I said, there's been a lot of folks like you who've been working on data projects. There's obviously been a lot of philanthropy that's come out of Silicon Valley and other tech centers in the U.S. Overall, how do you think kind of the, the tech community at large has responded to the coronavirus outbreak? And to a certain extent, can you give you got your, yourselves, generically speaking, a grade? Well, I think give it different lenses, right? So philanthropically, you see people giving a ton of money away. I mean, look at what Jack Dorsey did by giving, you know, a billion dollars of his net worth to a foundation basically to focus on this problem. I think it's commendable. Other than that, you look at the use of platforms. I mean, whether it's Instagram and putting up banners to talk about whether it's testing sites or, or you know, to give you information about the virus, that's commendable as well. So using platforms to scale information, I think, is really good. And then the use of data, the use of connections. I mean, you look at what Mark Benehoff has done to fly PPE in from you know, overseas yeah. and, and ship it to New York and San Francisco. I think that people are doing all they can. And, and a lot of the people I know, including myself, have dropped any sense of you know working on a company or trying to make a profit and rather using what we know to apply you know help in some way to this virus. We're working on what we know, but we're applying it to help people. I think that's true in general if you look around at most of the folks in Silicon Valley. So I'm, I'm going to stop short of giving a grade because I feel like no student should give themselves a grade. I'd rather receive a grade. I think history will judge this moment in Silicon Valley as one where people really focused on trying to help in general. Kevin Sistrom locked in his house in San Francisco. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. My final two right after this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the Small Business Loan Program, or PPP, which looks like it's gonna be refreshed with around 322 billion new dollars. What's also new is growing criticism of how certain larger companies have gotten these loans, with Treasury Secretary Mnuchin and President Trump yesterday saying there would be unspecified consequences if such monies aren't returned. Now, to be clear, if there was fraud, go after the fraudsters. But in general, this program wasn't written to only apply to companies on the brink of insolvency. It was written to support continued employment at any company with fewer than 500 workers so long as it's been economically harmed by the pandemic. If Mnuchin and Trump wanted stricter rules, they should have written them. 
And yes, for full disclosure, Axios did apply for and receive a PPP loan. And finally, Facebook announced that it is paying $5.7 billion for a 10% stake in an Indian telecom operator called Reliance Geo. Why it matters? First, this is Facebook's largest ever investment. Second, this is part of Facebook's strategy of investing in areas where broadband access is spotty, believing that expanding internet connectivity will result in more users. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.